Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Those of you who were here a couple of weeks back will remember that I explained I was going to be preaching on three particular subjects over coming weeks. And uh, they were subjects that I felt God had just put on my heart over the summer. And the first of those was that I felt that we needed to rediscover the power of talking the truth in love to one another. And not viewing this in the negative way in which it is so often portrayed. But instead, finding the powerful effect of speaking God's truth and God's promises into each other that has a building up effect on us. And uh, I hope that you may have even already started to have embraced that truth because it's a truth we need to just not only preach but to walk in as well and today I want to talk about a similar subject and it's the second of the three and it's affirmation okay so let's start Jesus said, that's always a good place to start, you know. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. When we meet together, Jesus promises his presence with us. And it's that which defines us. It's that which defines the church and makes it different from all other faiths. It makes it different from clubs and it makes it different from societies. God's presence is amongst us when we gather to him. We don't just gather to sing like a choir. We don't gather to perform some empty ritual. We gather because of God's presence and that we can encounter it. We gather to experience his love and his grace. And we expect to see manifestations of his power when we gather together. And so we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised when we see healings amongst us. When we see broken lives being restored. When we see answers to prayer. Because what we should know is that God is at work amongst us. But that's only the starting point. This is what Jesus said. With what can we compare the kingdom of heaven? Or what parable should we use for it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, 
it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. The things of the kingdom start off small but they have the potential to grow into something huge. You know, the trouble is, it is so easy to be cynical about the small things that God does. The small answers to prayer. The small miracles and the small healings. It's easy to get into a point of view where you almost start to despise them because you compare them with what you hear about or read about happening elsewhere. But in reality, what we need to do is to take these things that are happening amongst us and be encouraged by them to pray for something bigger and something more. That way, as God answers our prayers, what we will see is more healings, more saved. We'll see more answers to prayer. Now it's alright to be discontented about what we don't yet see in the fullness of God's kingdom. But this is the way it works. God gives something. He often gives something small. And then, as we have the responsibility of responding, he grows it. And that's what this parable is all about. And it's what the parable of the talents is all about as well. God gives you something small and as you are faithful with it he gives more now I want us to look quickly at two scriptures in Ephesians 4 Paul is talking about a whole new way of life and when you get to verse 30 having talked about the gifts of the ascended Christ to the church and having talked about a number of other things about the building up of the church he says this and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption that's in verse 30 Ephesians 4 Now he doesn't give any clear indication as to what in particular he's referring to. But what is clear is that the church can grieve the Holy Spirit. Particularly if relationships within the church are not good. In Psalm 133 we read this. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity it's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded his blessing life forevermore what we see is when people are united God commands his blessing 
Now the truth of this is that it therefore depends on how much you feel about the person you're sat next to this morning, how much God blesses the church. Have you ever realised that? Where brothers dwell together in unity, God commands his blessing. So how you feel about the person you're sat next to this morning, about your small group leader, or anyone else in that church, has a direct influence on it. In fact, I believe even the way we feel in our hearts about what other churches are like in this town actually makes a difference to the extent in which we see God's blessing. If we want to see his hand on us in greater measure, we need to foster an atmosphere which promotes God's blessing on us and on other churches in this town. And I think that particularly relates to how we give honour and affirmation to one another. Let's go right back. Let's go right back to the very beginning for a moment. When we became a Christian, we didn't take on a set of rules. Instead, what we did was we joined in on a relationship. It's a relationship that's been going on throughout all of eternity. It's the relationship between the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Because God did not create the universe because he was lonely. He created because of the joy that existed in the relationship that there was in the Trinity and his desire to share that. It was perfect. And that type of relationship is available to us. This church, the church, is Christ's body on earth. We represent him in this world. So what we see when we look at the church should mirror the relationships that we see formed and continuing in the Trinity. Now you may not have realised this, but within the Godhead, affirmation is extremely important. Not because they don't know their God. It's funny that, isn't it? They know their God, but they still affirm one another. Jesus didn't have a crisis of confidence over his identity. Even when he walked this earth, he knew fully well who he was. But still, we see that when Jesus was on earth, time after time, his father made it clear. This is my son. At his baptism. This is what we read in Matthew 3. And when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then, as he moved towards his death... 
halfway up a mountain with three of his disciples, in Matthew 17, we read of another situation. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it is good that we are here, if you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This affirmation, you are my son, was part of a pattern. If we look back to what's detailed in 1 Samuel 16, when David was anointed. David was going to be the new king, but he didn't know it yet. And Samuel has come out to anoint him. But as, David, as David's father showed his sons off to Samuel, he actually is thinking so little of David that he hasn't even invited him to the occasion. He's left him out looking after the sheep. When they came, he looked on Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse (coughs) called Abinadab. And he made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. God does not look at the same things we do. And so God announces over David, this is the one I am choosing. At Jesus' baptism, God said, this is my son. And then the Holy Spirit fell on him. In Acts, we see a dispute over whether the gospel should be preached to the Gentiles or not. And Peter was in fact persuaded by a vision that he had. And then as he preached 
the spirit of God fell on him. This was God's choosing. The spirit falling on him was the affirmation. Because that is how God chooses to affirm his children. And it was a hallmark of Jesus' ministry. When the woman who was bleeding came to Jesus, when she touched the hem of his cloak, he called her a daughter and he healed her. When Jesus came to beggars and outcasts, he forgave them and he affirmed them. In Romans 8, Paul writes, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Affirmation needs to be important to us. We need to be affirming one another because we all need reminding from time to time. So how about when you have your cup of tea, affirm someone. When someone leads worship well, <coughs> affirm them. But most of all, we need to be a people of the Holy Spirit because that is where our affirmation comes from. He is the spirit of adoption. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it's affirmation of that. You are a son. Whatever you've done, however much you've blown it, then as you worship God and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, you can be sure God's grace is sufficient. Because that's what the Spirit does. He affirms us. He gives us that feeling of being a son. He brings us security in God's love. And it's then, when we are secure in God's love, that we are truly free to seek the glory of our Father in heaven, rather than our own glory. It's then that God is free to bless us knowing that we're not doing it for our own fame or importance, but for his. Okay, here's a question. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. You got that? The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. But Jesus is God. So why is he so constrained? The 
the answer is that he could do anything he wanted. But his emphasis was he only chose to do what he saw the Father doing. And he carried on by saying, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. He only saw what he saw the he only did what he saw the Father doing. In John 6 it says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now if anyone had the right to say, I'm going to do it my way, it was Jesus. But his perspective was that he came to do the will of the Father who sent him. It gets even more incredible. He said, I receive only the glory of God. I do not receive the glory of man. And even when he was under pressure, that was his default position. When he was accused of having a demon in John 8, he says, I do not have a demon, but I honour my father and you dishonour me, but I do not seek my glory. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. It's powerful stuff. He could cast out demons. He could calm storms. And he could do that with a word. Yet he says, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. When you are certain that you are a son of God, when you are secure in that, then God can use you. He can use you because he knows you will not be doing it to bring glory to yourself, but to bring glory to him. And so we need to be a people who really know that we are safe and secure and affirmed. That we are God's children. And then whatever we do will bring glory to him. Because affirmation produces a desire to honour him and not ourselves. After David was anointed, and that happened in front of his brothers and in front of his father, having been the last one chosen, he didn't turn round and say, told you so. In fact, he was more concerned with God's glory than his own. When he met with Goliath, everybody else was in fear. And yet David comes in with a different perspective. He wasn't fearful of being embarrassed himself or defeated. He was incensed that this giant of a man would bring shame on the God of Israel. His perspective was that someone had to go out and deal with Goliath because God's glory was at stake. When we are secure in the love of God, we will find that we get even more passionate about God's glory in this town and in this country. 
As we see it from that perspective, what we will find is that the state of the church in this town is even more of an affront to God in our minds. Because it's disheartening. People this morning are going to church sick and leaving every bit as sick as they go in. It's an affront. But it's not an affront to us. It's an affront to God's glory. When we pray for the sick, will we worry less about looking stupid if it doesn't work when we see that God's glory is at stake? Affirmation brings a security that results in a desire to honour him and not ourselves. But there's an alternative. And that alternative is shown clearly in Luke 15. You'll recognise the passage. But you may never have thought about it in this context. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens in that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. This is a story of two sons who didn't honour their father. And as a consequence of that, they became insecure and their relationships broke down. The younger son moves himself to a place where his father can no longer affirm him. He's moved out of his father's house because he didn't want to honour his father. He didn't want to go the way his father was going. So he took himself to a place that looked attractive, but actually is a place of insecurity. Now at the beginning of the story, he is the son of a great man. And yet here, just a few verses later, he is prepared to hire himself out as a slave. He's forgotten who he is. He has lost his sense of identity. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I would arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You can see now the root of the problem. He's insecure. Because he has taken himself away from the father who would affirm him. So we see him here saying, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. His whole identity has been taken from him. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now notice what happens here. The father told the servants to get a robe for him. And his ring and his shoes. He immediately starts to affirm him as a son again. He starts to restore his dignity, his self-image and his authority. And he calls him his son. And then he says, let's celebrate. But the story hasn't finished. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, You killed the fatted calf for him. What we see is the second son is insecure too. And he found himself filled with jealousy. It may well be true that he hadn't disobeyed his father. But actually what that shows us is that he hadn't truly understood what it means to be a son. He hadn't heard the affirmation of his father. Even in the fact that he says, I have never disobeyed, is not the voice of a son. It's the voice of a servant talking. 
And he, that's the father, said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The sad news for the second brother, the older brother, was that he could have had a fatted calf any time he chose. His father says to him, everything I have is yours. But he had looked upon his father in the wrong way. He had looked upon his father as a boss, not as someone who would affirm him. If we're going to be in a place where our relationships are good, where we want the best for each other and for those who will join us, if we're going to live in the benefits of God's blessing on us, then we need to get hold of this. Firstly, God is our Father. And he affirms us. And that needs to be where we get our security from. Then we need to enjoy the Holy Spirit, because that is the way he affirms us. That is the way he calls us his own. But then, we need to, from that position of security, be affirming other people. Affirming who they are in God. That they are sons. Something which cannot be taken away from them. We need to be affirming everything that God has put in them. Their skills and their gifting. We need to be affirming the call of God on their life. Because we are all called for purpose. You know, I've sometimes been asked when I talk about my family, was I an accident? Because my sisters are 11 and 13 years older than me. And I know I was definitely a surprise. Okay? My, my mother didn't actually know she was even pregnant for quite a while. And so um, they were actually on holiday when, when things started to become more obvious. And uh, there are stories that go along with that. But you know, God doesn't have accidents. We need to be affirming our position in the body. We need to all know that we are valued, that we are missed when we're not here, and that we are needed. So I want to ask you some questions this morning. Do you stand secure in the knowledge that you are a son of God? Do you understand what that means, that there is an inheritance for you? That it is an inheritance, but like the father in the story of the prodigal son, that you can draw on now. Because he said, but everything I have is yours. Do you feel God's affirmation? And are you, as a result of that, affirming other people? Do you value them? Do you miss them when they're not with us?
let's just listen to the truth. We are accepted. We are God's children. You know, as a disciple, we are friends of Jesus. We have been justified. We've been united with the Lord. And we are at one with him in his spirit. We were bought with a great price. And we belong to God. He chose us. We are members of his body. We were chosen by God and adopted. There was no mistake. We are his children. We have been redeemed. We are forgiven of our sin. We are complete in Christ. And as a result of that price that Jesus paid on the cross, we have direct access as sons to the throne of grace. We're free from condemnation. We can know that God works for our good in every circumstance. We're free from any condemnation that's brought against us because we cannot be separated from the love of God. We have been established, we have been anointed and we have been sealed by him. It says we are hidden with Christ in God. We can be confident that God will complete the good work that he started in each of us. We're citizens of heaven. We have not been given a spirit of fear, not a spirit of timidity, but we've been given a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. We're born of God. And the evil one cannot touch us. We have significance. Because we are a branch of Jesus Christ, who is the true vine. We are a channel of his life. We have been chosen, and we have been appointed to bear fruit. We are God's temple. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You know, we are the very workmanship of God. And we can approach him with freedom and with confidence. You know, scripture says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, if you're struggling with any of that, I want to affirm you. 
If you're struggling with any of that, get some prayer this morning. Get someone to speak the truth in your life. In love. To affirm you. To build you up. To bring release to your thinking. That the glory might just go to Jesus. Who died. Who rose again. And who is lifted on high. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 